0: Well, it's good to be here. So close to Christmas. You know, you used to be able to tell who was going to give the message by who was carrying the biggest Bible. And uh, I'm not, uh, we've actually read the scripture, so I'm just going to set this aside today. You know, I look for signs uh, that, you know, I've prepared a message that's going to meet the people's needs. And I got one today. And uh, I noticed that uh, part of my message is I'm going to use this. And, uh, in the, uh, uh, one of the songs where we're glor, 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 or, you know, the, that one, uh, uh, the word angel was misspelled, and it said angle, and I thought, thank you, <laughs> I've got the message, <laughs> Anyways, I like to uh, take a look at Christmas from sometimes a little bit of a funny look. And uh, I want you to just see a cartoon that I put up on the screen here this morning and just take a look and see what you think. It uh, gives us the real reason that it was a silent night. (laughs) Uh, It's not really the story, but it's kind of cute. So, in the scriptures, there are several times where people receive a new name. I think of Abraham and Sarai, or Abraham and Sarai. They became Abraham and Sarah. Then there was Jacob, who was renamed after uh, a wrestle with an angel. He was renamed Israel. Then, in the New Testament, Cephas was renamed Peter. And then Saul was renamed Paul. Each time a person receives a new name, it represents a change in destiny. Meaning, you're no longer who you used to be, you now have a brand new future. And in our text this morning, we see another situation like this, only it's not with a grown person, it's in the naming ceremony of John the Baptist. He was expected to be named Zacharias after his father, or Zachariah, but a change was made at the last minute. Now, when a Jewish child was born, the male children were circumcised on the eighth day, and on that day were given their names. It was a significant event. Generally, the naming of children was done in one of two ways. It was either after the father or a relative Or it was with destiny in mind. A message about their character or future blessing or future life that they would have. Now, Luke, interestingly, was not one of the disciples. He was encouraged to go and do a thorough investigation of everything that happened. And we see that he was a historian as well as a doctor. And for some reason, he included this story while telling the story about Jesus. It's included in the narrative for a purpose, but we have to ask ourselves, well, why is it there? Why is this significant? Well, simply put, to every great story, there's a story behind the story. Sometimes people can't tell you what happened until they tell you the details of how they got to where they are now. So if our study this morning is answering the question, what's in a name? The answer is found that it, what, what's in the name is that there's a story behind the naming of John. There's a story behind the story. I'd like to use as an illustration this morning wedding ceremonies of the past. Now you've seen it in movies, we don't really do this today uh, as much, but in the wedding ceremonies in the past, there would be a point where the ceremony got to a very tense moment and The minister would ask the question, if anyone has any reason why these two shall not be joined together, let him speak now or forever hold his peace. And of course, in the movies, you know, we've learned to anticipate that moment. Tick-tock, tick-tock, tick-tock. Is anybody going to say anything? And uh, of course, they had reasons for that, and it had to do with wondering whether people were married in another county or something like that. But, uh, the naming ceremony of John is very similar type of anticipation. If anyone has a reason why John, or sorry, why the baby shouldn't be named Zacharias, let him speak now or forever hold his peace. And so we see that same sort of tick-tock, tick-tock, tick-tock. And then finally Elizabeth speaks up and she says, no, no, his name is to be John and you see, Elizabeth had had an experience where she had known this ahead of time, what it was to be. And so had Zacharias. He knew that the baby was to be named. But in the anticipation, the decision isn't made until that moment. Now I want you to picture this scene as if it were being shown at the beginning of a movie. Picture the the ceremony, the joyous celebration, and everything that's going on, and then you see the camera pan in right on Zacharias, and the moment of truth has arrived. He's got to make the decision, and what's it gonna be? In that moment, the camera zooms in on Zacharias, and then it cuts to a scene from one year earlier. You see, one year earlier is where the story started. You probably read about this or heard about this two weeks ago in the sermon series. But I want you to focus on the three lessons that we learn. In that moment, we're going to just picture that the camera zooms in on Zacharias and then fades to a scene one year previous. So, what Zacharias learned in that one year's time is what I want to talk about today. Back a year earlier... He had been in the temple and he had been doing his duty and he was uh, part of the burning of incense team and Zechariah had an experience in that temple. And in that experience, he learned a vital lesson and that lesson is that with with God, all things are possible. When we were introduced to Zacharias, back in a couple of weeks ago, we learned that one, him and Elizabeth were righteous before God, and they'd done everything that they knew to be right. We found out that they had no children. We found out that they were advanced in age. And we learned that they had also served faithfully. And yet, in that experience, they were headed for a crisis. Can you relate to this story? You've served faithfully for years. You've been a believer, you've been in the church, um, but then something begins to happen in your mind that affects your faith. It seems that other people get answers to prayers. It seems that other people have good things going on, you see uh, destiny happening, but you've been faithful, you've been there the whole time, and yet you're left barren. It feels like nothing good is happening for you. The things that you believe God for in your youth, over time you start to prune back, you rationalize. Those ideas start to wilt. You begin to believe that, well, my time is up. I guess I'm not that important to God. I don't know if it'll ever happen. And so you start pruning some of the ideas away that you used to have. It'll never happen, at least not for me. And without even realizing it, the God you worship begins to get small. It started off that the God you worshiped was really big, but over time, if you don't watch it, your God can get small. You start looking for natural ways that God can do things, and you only pray for those. Remember Abraham was promised to become the father of many nations, but because he got older, he started to wonder if that was ever going to happen. He was old, so, uh, so was his wife. So they hatched a plan to make their dreams come true the natural way. And before you know it, the God that they were worshiping wasn't as big as the one they started off worshiping. You know, the first commandment is to have no other gods before me. A false god is something that you can't worship. You know, you get it out of the way. But what happens when your belief in God and your picture of God is not quite what it once was? It's kind of the same as having a false god. It's not, it's not the real god. Your god is limited. Your god gets too small. When you're looking only for the natural ways that God can do things, I wonder if you have the opinion anymore that God can do everything. God is God. We only focus, uh, Abraham was only focused on his own abilities. You notice the children of Israel also had this problem. You see, when they left Egypt, they had miracle after miracle happen. It was a beautiful experience, and you read about it, the the trajectory of where they're going, and then they get to the edge of the promised land, and they send 12 spies into the land. And the sad thing was is that only two came back with a good report. The other 10 came back and said, you know what? The giants that exist in the land, they're too big for us. You see, 10 of those people had lost sight of the God that brought them through the Red Sea, 10 of those people had lost sight of the God that they once worshiped. The giants were big, but the truth was their God was bigger. You know, God is looking for people on the earth to show himself faithful to. It says he's searching to and fro for this type of person, looking for faithful people to do his work through. With Zacharias, God did choose him, but he had to straighten him out first. I don't know how many people we have here that have got any experience in construction, but this is a square. Anybody in construction here? Anybody hire anyone that's in construction? This is a very important tool, it's a very simple tool, but in effect, what this is, if you're a master uh, master builder, you know what to do with this. If a wall doesn't line up with the true angle, it's not A true wall. The measurement's not true. Construction stops until it does. Don't trust a builder who doesn't use these. If you are relying on a builder that's eyeballing things, saying, I think this looks good, don't trust them. You want somebody that stands by the truth. See, we know this is true because it's been tested. So we take it into the construction scene, and we measure it, and everything has to measure up to this angle, and when you get this angle, you know you've got the truth. It's very important that we do the same thing with our faith. You know, God loves Zacharias. He loves him so much that he takes time to correct his work. Just like when you're building a house, you don't give up on the house, you just correct the work, and then you carry on with the build. God wanted to correct Zacharias' viewpoint. He wanted to correct what Zacharias understands about God. You know, it's important for us to realize that God does love us, and before we carry on with the building of our lives, our view of God needs to be straightened out sometimes. Take the square and see. Does the God you serve have the ability to do all things? Or is he limited by your circumstances? Is he limited by your abilities? Do we really see him as he is? Or is he some messed up version of us? Is he some version of our own abilities? The challenge I wanna have for us to take this morning is let's take our faith up higher and allow God to correct what we think he can do. You know, my children, I have uh, a very difficult time going on with a couple of my children, and in the natural, it seems hopeless. But with God, I'm believing for miracles. And I constantly face that challenge of looking at the natural versus looking at my God and what he can do and The truth is that he can do anything He wants and I have to regularly adjust I have to use this Angle for my faith and see if I'm actually believing what the truth is and in your situation God can do anything I don't know what you're facing today, and I don't know what situation you're anticipating coming up, and I don't know where your faith actually takes you, but my challenge is allow your faith in God to let you believe that he can do anything in your situation. Then you know you're serving and worshiping the true God. You know, something that Zacharias, if you picture him back there uh, in that moment, he he might be thinking back to everything that's brought him up to that point. Then he hears Elizabeth pipe up and says, his name is John. You picture Zacharias, he's in that moment. The clock is ticking. Tick, tock, tick, tock. What will he do? Well, the next lesson that Zacharias learned is that faith and action are connected. We're back, and I want you to see the camera zooming in on Zacharias, and then panning over to the baby, and then to Elizabeth, to the crowd, back to Zachariah. You can feel the tension. I wonder what went through his mind. Should I speak up? I can't speak anyway, so why not just let things be? Well, with the pressure on, would he choose to look only at the natural again, or would he choose faith and confess that the miracle, uh, confess the miracle and straighten out his faith? You know, I have a question: Do we find ourselves in this same situation at work, at school, with friends? You know, God has done some amazing things in our hearts. He's done some amazing things in some of our situations, in some of our families, in some of our finances. And we have opportunities to speak up. What do we do? How do we handle it? What do we do when the opportunity to share just pops up like it did here with Zacharias? In the natural, you might be thinking, I'm not a good speaker. I have trouble getting my thoughts across. They wouldn't listen to me anyways. Well, just like Zacharias here, he couldn't speak or he couldn 't hear for that matter, so he took what he could do. he scratched out on a tablet. His name is John, and it caused quite a stir. How is it that you're doing something different, Zachariah, than we expected? It was not what they believed was going to happen. you know. People can get an idea and they think they can, can put you in a, you know, they think they've got to read on you until they see that you're different than everybody else. You know, you may not be a good speaker. You may not, or you may think that your story is not interesting. You may not even know how to get the message out. But if you find a way to let people know you've taken a different path in life than expected, that's all that matters. When you allow people to see that you do things differently, your life is on a different trajectory than people expect. No matter what method you find to use, it will cause a stir, just like it did for Zechariah. You may only have limited abilities at first, but when you learn to use whatever's in front of you, people will take notice. You know, God is not asking us to become evangelists. This story about Zechariah, you know, you have to ask why is it in the scriptures? I believe that it's in the scriptures because God thinks that somebody's story is significant. His story was enough to be told with the gospel. Your story is important. You're not insignificant. God wants to weave your story into the lives of every everyone that you come in contact with. God's not asking us to become great evangelists. He's simply asking us to see him as he is and to speak up with whatever is right in front of you, whatever your abilities are at the time. Notice what happened. When Zacharias obeyed and scribbled on the tablet, God showed up. His hearing and speech came back and fear came upon everyone. Everyone started talking about it. People never forgot what happened to John's father. And this story was included in the story of the Gospel of Jesus. They learned to tell Zachariah's story so well over the years that it came time, when it came time for Luke to interview people to find out what had gone on in the life of Jesus and how Jesus influenced the world. Luke, in his interviews, found that there was a story behind the story. There was a story behind the name. And they told it with such clarity that it was included in the Gospel of Luke. What an honor. You don't hear much about Elizabeth and Zacharias in anywhere else in the Bible, but their is included in the Gospel, generation after generation. Here's my point. When we learn to tell our story and don't stay quiet when the opportunity arises, God will do amazing things through you. You will see his hand at work and discover and rediscover abilities you never thought you had or haven't used in a long time. You'll see God show up. My challenge today is learn to tell your story. Don't believe that your story is insignificant because God just might one day want to weave it into something that's much bigger and your story will be told along the story of somebody, somebody else. If you learn to tell the story People, will, people need to learn and hear the gospel according to you. You know, Zacharias finishes writing on the tablet, and there's one more point to this story. You know, with faith, the faith that he expressed or, or, or stood up on that day, he had a new destiny after that. His life was completely different. So once you're back in the camera uh, mode, and you see the camera zooming out, and it now switches to the future. In this movie that I'm trying to portray for you today, I want you to see Zacharias with John. He introduces his little boy. Everyone he introduces him to, he says, this is my son, John. John, how how is it that he's not Zacharias? Well, there's a story behind that. You see, there's a story behind the name. Every time Zacharias called his son John, it was a reminder that his life had taken a new direction. He had daily reminders that he was not the same as he he used to be. You know, at a specific time when you step out in faith and you take that moment, that opportunity to share that time in your life, your life can be forever different. You know, today could be a brand new day for you. Today could mark the day that changes everything else in your life. It could be the day that the future is completely different for you. And it starts with just a little moment, a little time where you have a little stirring in your heart and and you don't know exactly why it's there, but you do it and you obey and God does something incredible that lasts a lifetime. You know, I... uh, met a man a few weeks ago, spoke to him and his wife, and uh, only for a few minutes, and we exchanged conversation. You know, he asked me about myself, and I asked him about himself. And, and when I asked him about himself, uh, he told me he was from a farming area. And so I just assumed that he was a farmer. And that's when his eyes lit up, and he said, well, that's a funny story. And he in a nutshell, told me the story of his life. He said, I used to be a farmer, but now I'm in ministry. And he said, I didn't know how it was gonna happen. I had to sell my farm, and that was almost impossible to do. You see, in his mind, he was locked into an identity that he used to have. And then one day, he dared to pray and say, God, change my life, if you will, and God did and his entire destiny changed. He said, wow, I said, wow, what a big change. How did that happen? You see, his story uh, was interesting to me because something radical had happened in him, and I wanted to learn the gospel according to him. The look in his eyes was so sincere. He was filled with joy. It was like he couldn't believe what had happened to him. For a few moments he told a story, and it's the most unlikely thing he said, and then he went into it. So after hearing his name, I learned that there was a story behind his name. There's a story behind your name. You know, the most powerful ministry tool at our disposal is our story. No one can tell it like you do. No one knows you like you do. When you start telling your story, your destiny can change. You know, there was a baby that was born years ago, and I'm not sure of the reasons for it, but he had a birth defect. And he was born with no arms and no legs. And he tells the story that at first his parents weren't sure whether to keep him or not. And he also tells the story that during his early years, he wasn't sure whether he wanted to live or not. As time progressed, he had an experience with Jesus, and it forever changed his destiny. When you looked at him, you saw only a man with no arms and no legs. But over time and after that encounter with Jesus, his life forever changed. It became different than what people expected it to be. Today, Nick Vujicic speaks to thousands of high school students every year. He speaks to people around the world about his story. And he lets people know that he has got hope and something changed him inside. He no longer looks at his own circumstances, but he sees what God can do in a life that's just yielded to him. And so there came a point where Nick Vujicic stood up and he says, I'm willing to speak about what's gone on. And his life and his destiny changed forever. You know, one of the most loved hymns of all time is really just the telling of somebody's personal story. When John Newton wrote the words to the song, Amazing Grace, all he was doing was telling his story. If you tell your story, there's no one else, or uh, there's no guessing where it will lead. You think of the words to the song. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound. It saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Very easy story to tell. Powerful story to tell. It's one of the most beloved songs because of it. If you tell your story, there's no guessing where it will lead. The disciples, Paul, destiny's all changed. He he was just willing. You know, you may be looking at your life and you might feel stuck. You might feel like Winnie the Pooh's friend Eeyore. Nothing good happens for me. All you can see is your limitations. Well, my message for you today is stop looking at your limitations and start looking at your God. Correct your understanding of God. Whatever it is, make sure it is God can do anything. All things are possible for him. And then learn to take small actions. With this story, pardon me, with this new kind of accurate faith telling your story, you will see that your life and destiny will be forever different. So what's in a name? Well, there's a story behind that name. There's a story behind your name. And if your life is in that place where Eeyore, you're not sure if anything good can ever happen for you, I want to challenge you today. There's a God waiting with open arms. And all he wants is an open heart from you to see that you're willing to let him do whatever it is he wants to do in your life. And if you just open yourself up, he can change whatever circumstance you're in. I don't know where you find yourself today. I don't know what's going on, but it's possible you're in a situation you think is too difficult to get out of. You're stuck. You think that it can never change for you. Well, I want to tell you that the God that you serve or the God that you're being introduced to today can change everything about your life in every way possible. The dreams and the ideas that he's given you in the past are still possible. Don't give up on them. The people, the relationships that are broken, he can heal those relationships. You know, there's times like I confessed earlier to you today that uh, you have to believe in faith. Things aren't the way they need to be. But I trust that God can make them everything there should be and going to be. My message for you today is believe in Jesus. Accept what he's done for you, and he will change your life. I'm not sure where you're from today. I don't know what your history with God is, and I don't know what uh, your your impressions are today of him. But I want to ask... Maybe we could bow our heads and eyes closed. Is anyone here today and you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior? You've been to church. Maybe you've got a history in it, but uh, you've never trusted. You've never said, Jesus, do with my life what you want done. You want to be included in God's story. If that's you, I want to ask you take the step. Do something. Speak up. Is there anyone here today? Just put your hand up and put it it down. You've never accepted Jesus. Anyone? Okay. If there's people here today, the second part is, I want to ask you, is there an area in your life where you want to step out in? You want to taste and see that the Lord is good? You want to see what is it that He's willing to do for you? Well, I want to ask you to take a step. Whatever it is, it'll be right in front of you. It'll be personal to you. With Zacharias, all he had to do was write on a tablet. All you have to do is something that's right in front of you. We're going to have communion here in a few moments, and um, I'm going to ask you, if you don't take communion or haven't taken communion, maybe take the step. Maybe that will be the step that's right in front of you, where you confess that the sacrifice that was made on the cross uh, was for you and that you're actually taking that in and, and it's becoming part of you. That's part of your story. That's part of your history or sorry, your destiny. Do something that's right in front of you. Let's pray. Jesus, we're so impressed that you take lives all of the time. You didn't have a group of people in the church or in the uh, church age or in the Bible that, you know, everything happened back then, but you weave stories of people's lives into, uh, into your story every day. As we move towards uh, a future with you, we ask you to lead us and guide us in what it is that you want specifically for us so that our story can weave into your story.